The harp, in its early forms, is second only to the flute as the oldest known human musical instrument. The radio-curious theme music that you hear this week is played by professional harpist and harp teacher Jessica Schaefer. She's our guest in this edition of Radio Curious. Intrigued by the harp when she showed up for a piano lesson at age four, she began her formal training for the harp when she was 10 years old. Jessica Schaefer holds a bachelor's degree in the study of the harp and a master's in music. She plays in symphony orchestras and teaches the instrument she loves. Jessica Schaefer and I visited in the studios of Radio Curious, where she brought her harp, played for us, and told stories on December 3, 2012. Jessica Schaefer, welcome to Radio Curious. Thank you. It's lovely to hear the theme song from Durango Saloon played on a harp. (laughs) I'm sure it probably would not have happened in the real Wild West, but here we are now. So tell us about the harp. The harp is one of the oldest instruments that we have here on Earth. Ancient versions of it have been found in various places all over the world, The earliest harp was found um, in the Mesopotamia region, which is now present-day Iran and Iraq. And it started out as a very simple structure. It started out with a soundboard and what is called a neck. And the strings were strung between the soundboard and the neck. What makes a harp a harp is the fact that these strings are perpendicular to the soundboard, as opposed to parallel or strung across like you'll see on a guitar or an auto harp, for example. So that is what makes the harp a harp in the formal definition of it. What drew you to the harp? It was not even on my radar, but I began taking music lessons when I was four and a half years old, and I started on piano. And one day I walked into my teacher's living room and I saw a harp there. And I was instantly drawn to it uh, because it was the most interesting thing I'd ever seen, and it fascinated me much more than the piano ever did. So I said there in the middle of the living room, I want to play that. And um, my teacher's policy was to have her students have at least three years of piano under the belt. So I dutifully practiced piano for three years, and then um, when I was 10 years old, I was able to begin harp. And I never looked back. You've had significant formal training in the harp. Can you tell us about it? Obviously, I've had private lessons um, basically my entire life. And uh, when I got to high school, I spent my summers at the Interlochen Center for the Arts, which is a summer camp for artists in northern Michigan. That's really where I decided to pursue music as my, my work in life. And uh, then I went on to Northwestern University and I got a bachelor's degree in harp performance um, at the music school there. And again, spent my summers at the Aspen School of Music, which is another summer program in Aspen. 
Is there a piece that you would like to perform for us and explain its significance in relationship to the harp? Sure. The harp I have here today in the studio, which the listener can't see, but we can, is a small harp, and um, it's called a troubadour harp. It was developed in the 1960s um, by Lyon and Healy, uh, which is the standard harp manufacturer for the world, as an instrument for um, for small hands, young beginners, and for portability, which is why I have it here today, because it's easy to get into the studio. So it's a smaller harp than the pedal harp or the concert harp, which is the harp you would see in an orchestra or on a solo stage. And it lacks the mechanical complexity of the pedal harp um, in that I can't change keys as easily um, as I can on the pedal harp. So I'm limited in terms of my um, access to pitches. And also I have less strings on this instrument than a larger one. So that's a long way of saying I won't be playing any of the standard harp solo literature. But what I would like to play is um, a very beautiful, simple piece by Marcel Grangenet, who was one of the leading harpists, um, teachers, and composers for the harp of the 20th century. I think that this piece, uh, like most pieces, really demonstrates the, um, the nature of the harp and the quality of sound that the harp has that is so unique to it. May we hear it? Yes, this is called uh, Reverie by Marcel Grangenet. Before you play it, I see that you're lifting some levers. What do they do? The levers change the pitch of the string that I'm playing. So um, for this piece, I needed an A natural, uh, and I had A flats. So that was my uh, previous pitch, and I raised the lever to raise the pitch up a half step. To a natural. Can you tell us about that piece? It was um, written as a as a homage to Gabrielle Fauré, who um, was a impressionistic composer who lived during the the turn of the last century and into the twentieth century. A French composer who wrote music um, similar to what you just heard. So it's, uh, it's really, really a, 
a very beautiful tip of the hat to to Faray and his musical contributions. So in the orchestra, you would hear the harp um, playing something like this, a lush arpeggio and perhaps um, uh, a glissando. Before you play it, I see that you're lifting some levers. What do they do? The levers change the pitch of the string that I'm playing. So um, for this piece, I needed an A natural, uh, and I had A flats. So that was my uh, previous pitch, and I raised the lever to raise the pitch up a half step to A natural. So when you describe that the harp adds color, color is a sense that we see, and harp music is a sense that we hear. Yes, this is true. Um, so when you say color, what do you mean? Right, so you'll find that um, because music is such a such an ephemeral quality um, that we borrow a lot of terms from the other senses, like color. So color refers to um, the particular quality of sound you're hearing. And the harp is actually great for that. Um, there are so many different colors on the harp, and I think I can best describe it by demonstrating. Um, a basic pluck on the string. That's your typical harp sauna. It has a particular kind of color. Um, now, if I play that same pitch close to the soundboard, you get a much more nasal tone, uh, which is a different color. In um, the sense of sight, what would those colors look like? Um, well, there actually are some people who are affected with a particular kind of neurological wiring that um, connects their sense of of sound to their sense of sight. So when they hear sound, they actually see particular color. Um, I, I do not have this affliction. Um, so I'm not sure that, um, I don't think of it in terms of direct correlation of color. I think, um, I think of it more in terms of quality, the quality of the sound, or maybe the texture. As an example, texture of sound? Texture of sound, right. So, um, so oftentimes we'll talk about a very lush kind of sound. Um, Can you play us one? Yeah. That has a kind of nice, lush, warm, round sound, as opposed to, you know, something a little more biting. Harmonics create a different a different tone or color, if you will. Um, for example. For example. It's often described as having a bell-like quality. While you're playing, 
What do you think about? I don't think about anything. <laughs> the best moments of um, playing are when I'm thinking about absolutely nothing and when I'm just completely uh, one with the music and what I'm doing. And that's, that's where I always strive to be, where I want to be. The sense of hearing is one that goes back into the reptilian brain. Long before the species of which we are a part evolved, do you have any comments or thoughts about that? How we perceive sound and the fact that it's one of our oldest senses? Yes, I have thought about this. And sound is something that we, we really take for granted today because we are surrounded by sound all the time. It's not something that we can um, choose to block out. And it's uh, like all of our senses necessary to our survival. Um but I think that there's something about sound and about music in particular that that is so intimately connected to the essence of our our being, um, which is what makes music so special and so important for our our being in this world. Can you expound on that? Maybe the essence of that intimate connection. For me, what is significant about um, about the essence of music and the experience of music is the sharing of it with other people and the collaboration of music making with others. It's a very unique experience and it's something that um, is sublime and it goes beyond ordinary interaction and it's an incredibly intimate experience, and I find it to be a very bonding experience when you make music with other people. You um, connect in a way that is just not possible through ordinary conversation or other ways of interacting. It's, it's a very unique experience. In this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with Jessica Schaefer, a classical harpist who started taking piano lessons when she was very young and harp lessons when she was 10. She's found her passion. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Jessica Schaefer, your experience in um, getting a master's degree in music at the Belongi School of Music of Bard College, which is located in Cambridge, Massachusetts, gave you an exceptional opportunity. Can you share that with us? I had gotten to a point in my musical experience uh, where I realized that while I uh, had a def definite level of proficiency on the harp, that there were some gaps in my musical knowledge and... Um, and it was important to me to be able to to develop my myself not just as a harp player but as a whole musician, um, and furthermore to develop myself as a teacher because I had found that um, being able to teach my instrument and teach music really completed my own study and experience of music and contributed to my own development in a significant way. Um, so that led me to pursuing a master's degree in Dalcro's Eurythmics at the Longy School in Cambridge. Can you tell us what Dalcro's Eurythmics is? Yeah, Dalcro's Eurythmics is an approach to music cognition and learning music that is inherently experiential, and it's based in movement, um, which means that you are 
your body becomes your instrument and you are learning musical concepts and experiencing music through movement. Um, and the reason for that is because movement is actually the closest correlation we have to music. Um, music and dance are, are really two art forms that come from the same root. Um, and, and movement like music is, uh, action that takes place over time and is not static unlike for example um you know a visual visual piece of art or a sculpture um it's not changeable in the, in the ways though those are so um so it actually is a very effective tool for for learning musician and developing yourself in a way um that is functional as opposed to just merely learning in a conceptual manner um, because the practice and performance of music is not a is not actually a, a conceptual or, or, or an intellectual um, action it, it is an action so applied to the harp can you give us an example for me I have I have discovered that um, through doing this kind of work I have uh, a much better sense of time in playing with other people. I'm also more comfortable in improvising and actually making my own music and connecting with music in that way. You know, for example, I would never sit here a few years ago and play while I'm talking. And my ears have become uh, much keener. taking on this study. Jessica Schaefer, as composers have become more experimental in recent years, new sounds have come from the harp. What are they? Yes, this is true, um, and it actually turns out that the harp is a great uh, sound generator. Of course, we have the basic, typical sound of the harp, which is created by plucking on the strings. But there are a lot of different um, sonic possibilities. For example, if I play close to the soundboard... get a much more nasal quality. There's also what's known as a xylophone effect where I stop the strings with the fingers of one hand and play them in the other. And it creates a kind of um, percussive or marimba-like sound. Bending strings is another popular effect. And that is done by raising the lever while playing the string or lowering it. Again, harmonics are a popular device. They create a very round bell-like tone. Is there something that you could play for us that integrates what you've just demonstrated? 
There's actually a very famous piece um, called Chanson de la Nuit by Carlos Salzeda, who is another 20th century composer that uh, does show off and demonstrates the effects of, of the harp and its capabilities. Unfortunately, the instrument I'm on today, it's not possible to play that piece. But one of the things that he does make use of in that piece quite prominently is glissando with the fingernails, which is actually a really interesting development because for a long time, fingernails and the sound of the fingernails was a huge taboo in the harp world to be avoided at all costs. Um, and so you, you would hear in the piece um, the sound of the fingernails on the strings. Which just gives it a little more of a metallic edge. So going down or up uh, the harp in tone, hitting all of the strings is glissando. Yeah, yeah, hitting all the strings in uh, rapid succession. So tell us the difference beginning with the number of strings on the middle-size troubadour harp that you're playing today Mm -hmm. versus the full concert harp. Yeah, so the troubadour harp has 36 strings, and the uh, concert harp, pedal harp, has 47 strings and a much larger frame. And they're separated by whole notes? They are tuned diatonically. What does that mean, diatonically? The best way I think to describe it is to say that it's basically like all of the white keys on the piano. So the harp is tuned to uh, a major scale, which is a combination of whole steps and half steps. If you want to change that combination, that's when you bring the levers or the pedals into play to actually change the pitches. But you never have more than seven different pitches in one octave as opposed to the piano where you have um, 12 pitches in one octave that are accessible and available at all times. What does the availability of fewer pitches bring to us as the listeners? Well, I think what it, what it means and the significance of it is, um, you know, is why the harp, I won't say marginalized, but why it plays a smaller role in the symphony, for example, and why it plays a smaller role in music in general because it's limited in some ways. It can't play complex chromatic harmonies. You'll hear some harp in jazz, and there are some really gifted jazz harp players. You know, you're never going to hear a lot of harp in jazz because it's just, it's very challenging to play that instrument in a musical idiom that is inherently um, chromatic and moving around, moving around all the pitches and different keys all the time. And it means for the listener that you won't typically hear that kind of music on the instrument. Yet, Standing alone, the harp is a magnificent instrument for a solo piece. Yes, it is. Is there another one that you could offer us? Yeah, there is. This is called Grandmother Tells a Story by Henrietta Renier, who um, was a student of Marcel Grangenet, the person I mentioned earlier. It's a sweet little tune in E-flat major, and it's written specifically for uh, this kind of harp.
Well, Jessica Schaefer, I want to thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. And I'd like to ask a little more about you. Is there a eureka or an aha moment in your life that uh, taught you a lesson that you still live by that you could share with us? Yeah, I would have to say that 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 moment um, happened to me when I was 17. I was at Interlochen, and I was standing in front of the Kresge Concert Hall, which is this outdoor concert space with um, open windows in the backs looking out on onto this beautiful lake. And um, I had this realization that um, if pursuing a life in music meant that I got to spend time and be with the kind of people that I was, uh, was with that summer, then that's the work that I wanted to do. And, um, and for me, my life has always been about that. It's always been about, um, relationship and, um, and being with people that I enjoy being with and working with. Um, and I, that is one of, one of my values. As sometimes happens uh, at this portion of Radio Curious, uh, you perhaps just answered the next question, which is, what would you like to do with the remainder of your one precious life? <laughs> I would like to continue to um, continue to be in relationship with people in, in a meaningful way. I would continue to uh, work with people and, and be with people in ways that bring me joy and bring them joy, which is why I think I enjoy teaching so much and um, enjoy sharing music so much. And finally, Jessica Schaefer, is there a book that you could recommend to our listeners? I've read many books and many good books, and I think that the book that's been on my mind lately is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, which most of your listeners have probably read. Um, and I have to say that while many of the concepts are not new to me, it's very clear and um, a very clear reminder of, of how we actually exist in the world. And I think anything that helps us, helps us continue to access our freedom of being is a good thing. And we need those constant reminders. Well, Jessica Schaefer, I want to thank you very much for interpreting our theme music on your harp and for joining us on Radio Curious. Thank you. Jessica Schaefer is a professional harpist and harp teacher. You may learn more about her work at her website, jessicaschaefer.com, J-E-S-S-I-C-A-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R.com. The book she recommends is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. This program was recorded on December 3rd, 2012. Over 400 Radio Curious programs may be found on our website, radiocurious.org. They're free as my gift to you. I hope you enjoy them. Our address is 280 North Oak Street, Ukiah, U-K-I-A-H, California, 95482. The phone is 707-462-6541, and email is curious at radiocurious.org. 
Christina Onestead is our assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.